0: Welcome back, children. Today we finish the last three chapters of David Hill's book, Comes Naturally. We left Jake and the Green Group finding out about the wetlands being in danger. Listen and see how the group fights a fire. Will they save the birds and wildlife? And what will happen to the biton? As Max headed for the door, Amy called. We're coming too man stared. Mrs. Hay began to speak. Darren interrupted. "'We know the place. We can tell you what to do.' Mr. White tugged at his floppy cardigan. "'They're right, Dotty. I'll go with them.' Not even Simon grinned. "'All right, but be careful.' They were out the door before the principal finished. Jack glimpsed Matt's startled face in the corridor, heard Mrs. Hay again. "'Matt, find some teachers. Tell them.' Then Jake and Amy were bundling into Max's car Mr White and the others charged across the car park, while kids goggled. Green power, Jake thought. Black smoke rose ahead as Max tore through the streets of Calcott, horn blaring and headlights blazing. Jake thought of the week's dry wind. The wetlands can't burn, surely, the man said. The reeds and grass can. Amy gripped the edges of her seat. The smoke will choke birds and kill insects. If there's any nests on the ground. She stopped and stared at Jake. Jake forced out the words. The biton." Amy stared for another second, then swung towards Max. Faster! Go faster! The car rocked round the bend above Back Beach. They jerked forward as Max braked. What the hell? Two police cars were beside the road, blue and red lights flashing. A different car was halfway across the grass, front jammed against a scrubby tree. Two young men stood among the police, staring at the ground. Jake gaped. That was the car he'd seen doing wheelies across the grass a couple of weeks back. Those guys must be... No time to think. They raced past the stadium site. Jake saw fire engines ahead, with men jumping from them. Sooty black smoke poured up from the wetlands. It swirled in a sudden wind gust, and the flames glared beneath it. Birds screamed and wheeled. They tumbled from the car. Firemen were shouting, ''No water supply! Get a pump! Into the swamp!'' An engine roared behind them and Ken Duncan's ute, fishtailed to a stop. The man was white-faced and furious. "'It's those guys we sacked for thieving,' he snarled to Max. "'They stole the diesel to sell, then decided to dump it. "'They didn't start it burning. Say they don't know what happened.' "'Jake remembered the cigarette butt in the reeds "'and pictured others tossed casually near the diesel drums. "'He hurried to keep up with Mac and Ken Duncan, "'who was striding towards a wetlands fence. "'Not the stile, but a dip in the ground further along.' They said there's two lots of drums, four on the other side where the fire started, five or six here somewhere. Can you see? Hell! Amy and Jake and the two men stopped together. Over the fence, invisible from the road, six big red drums of diesel lay on their sides. Their tops were off, their steel interiors glistened black and oily and empty. The last diesel dripped slow and thick onto the clotted grass beneath. Jake saw the black trail where it had poured down the slope and into the little creek sliding towards the wetlands. The creek was now a greasy ribbon, winding through reeds and rapo. Gobs of diesel lay along the edges. A frog struggled through the muck toward the bank, sides panting. Jake saw other frogs moving feebly in the water, a fish's stomach gleamed white as it lay unmoving in the filth. Amy made a choking noise. He followed her gaze and saw the main water ahead. Where the creek entered it, an oil slick crept across the surface, pushed by the wind, gleaming like some deadly skin. The wind blew again. On the far side of the wetlands, flames and smoke puffed sideways. Jake heard a clattering, growling sound. The bulldozer was churning along the side of the road in their direction. Ken Duncan swung around. What's most dangerous? What should we go for first? The oil, Amy yelled. Birds can escape the fire, well, most of them, but oil kills everything. Fish, water plants, insects. Birds too. It ruins their feathers and they can't stay warm. They'd die if they swallow it. You've got to get it off the water. Darren had arrived, gasping and staring. There's pumps back at the yard, Max said. It'll take me half an hour. Go, ordered Ken Duncan. As the other man scrambled away, Amy kept gabbling. Buckets or something to scoop it off the water. Sacks to soak it up. Chemicals to dissolve it. And we need a boom to float on the lake and hold the diesel back. Mr Duncan was calling more orders to workmen on the road above. Shovels, sacks, a couple of buckets appeared. Figures began trampling through the boggy creek, heading for where it entered the main body of water. Jake floundered along with them. Amy was charging ahead of him, legs pumping. Jake slipped, sprawled forward came upright with all smeared hands and arms. On the creek's surface beside him, a water boatman tried to move its fragile legs, then lay still in the black foam. Next minute he was in the water up to his chest, shuddering with cold. A sack landed near him, and he glimpsed one of the builders flinging other sacks towards Amy and Darren. Jake spread his out on the surface, patting it, letting the diesel soak into it he worked at the sack till it was saturated with black oil he struggled ashore grunting under the weight mr white sodden and filthy to the waist grabbed it dropped it into one of the empty red drums that other figures were hauling along the greek sides thrust two more sacks at jake one for amy amy sploshed back into the water holding out a sack to jake who snatched it the girl's face and hair were smeared with diesel and dirt Her teeth were clenched. Jake glimpsed Simon and Claire, plunging buckets into thicker patches, passing them to men who poured the oozing black contents into drums. Mr White joined them, a shovel in his hands, flinging scoop after scoop of oil from the water. The bulldozer came roaring down the bank to where the diesel drums had been. Its blade gouged the earth, piling it across the creek no more oil was going to reach the wetlands from there the slick seemed thinner but the sacks were used up and buckets and shovels couldn't halt the stains creep amy darren and jake scooped up handfuls of oily water flung them towards the shore more oil drifted past jake dragged a hand across his forehead one eye burned as a flick of oil hit it. He thought of the dying frogs and fish he'd already seen and scooped again at the water. Another gust of wind. Smoke billowed, setting people coughing and wheezing. The crack and drum of flames on the other side swelled louder. Despair, filled Jake. They couldn't stop the oil or the fire. The wetlands were finished. Something hit the water with a splash. Jake stared at the object floating beside him. His surfboard! Another board smacked down. Then Matt was struggling through the oily mud towards him, two more boards under his arms. Behind Matt, three workmen splashed along, arms full of others. They'll make a boom, Matt said. Mrs. Haystack got every board at school. Then she sent me and them here in a taxi. Must have looked so weird. I stopped off and grabbed yours toe. A line of surfboards already stretched across the water in front of the worst of the oarslick. The workmen and Darren stood behind them, keeping them in place. Jake could see straight away that it was working, a floating dam of fiberglass holding most of the diesel at bay. Ken Duncan waded towards them, filthy and soaked, What would we do without surfies? Jake started to grin, then gaped at another figure, slipping and sliding along the creek's ploughed-up edge. His mother clutched a great pile of newspapers. Knew Ruth Rivers was good for something, she panted. With the papers, they soaked up the oil creeping through the boom of surfboards. Matt flung a ball of diesel, sodden newsprint into one of the drums and stared around. Never been here before. You picked a great time to start, Jake decided. He ducked his head and coughed as more smoke swept past. The noise of motors made him look up. At the edge of the creek, two pumps thudded into action. Orange hat Max and three other men unrolled thick grey hoses, swept them across the diesel drifting by the banks. There was a cheer as oil went slurping up. The road above the wetlands was a jam of cars, fire engines and people. Police kept moving drivers on. A Calcot advocate car stood by the stile and Jake saw a camera aiming in all directions. An oil-smeared hand nudged him. Look who's here, grinned Simon from an equally smeared face. Right on the dotty. Their principal was gazing down at them. The wind blew again. Differently somehow. It's changing, Jake's mother and Claire exclaimed together. Jake turned towards the far side of the wetlands. Smoke still billowed skywards. Ducks and geese honked and swept in frightened circles above. The red crackle of flames edged forward. Then the wind gusted once more. The flames fled, bent back towards the area they'd just burned. Glowed more dully. Another push of wind. Jake saw a patch of red. Reach behind itself for more fuel. Find nothing and wink out. His mother hugged him. It's stopping. Look, they've got pumps there too now. As she spoke, muddy water burst from a group of firemen spraying onto the flames that still crept towards a group of flax bushes. A vicious hissing. And black smoke turned to white steam. Another cheer from the spectators. The water around the line of surfboards was dotted with ash and scraps of burned leaves. Something grey and smoking drifted down onto Jake's arm. He gasped as it stung, then splashed water on it. Water which now was only faintly slicked with oil. His mother stood waist-deep in water, one arm around Amy. Soot, oil and water smeared the girl's face and clothes. The expression on her face was half triumph, half exhaustion. "'She's bloody awesome, eh?' Matt's voice murmured. "'You keep your eyes off her or I'll... I'll...' Jake stopped in mid-thought. "'Hell,' he wondered, "'what am I saying?' You guys did an incredible job. The bearded bulldozer driver patted shoulders as wet, weary greens stumbled back towards the road. I'd like to get my hands on those two mongrels, orange hat Max grunted. Claire and Simon, crouched by a clump of rapo, heads together, shoulders touching, talking softly. Jake stared. Couldn't they find a more private place to... Claire straightened up. Her red hair was matted with mud and oil. In her hands something huddled, shivering. A frightened eye stared from a mask of diesel. A beak opened and quacked weakly. Must have been caught by the oil before it realised. Simon stroked the mallard drake's head. Its feathers are stuck together. It can't fly. We'll take it to the SPCA. I'll clean it up. Mr White's crooked house cardigan was so wet that it flopped to his knees. His black lace-up shoes squelched. He looked like the monster from the black swamp. Across the other side, hoses played water on the last patches of flame. The fire was dying as quickly as it had begun. Three firemen waded across the smoking, blackened lake edge towards the green group. Look! Darren pointed towards the far corner of the wetlands. A flight of Canada geese had already settled back onto the ash-flicked water, fussing and creaking and dipping for food. A squeak sounded above Jake's head. He looked up to see the fantail go somersaulting after an insect. Hunter and hunted zigzagged towards the flax. Jake and Darren exchanged grins. The three firemen sloshed up. Great work, one told the Calcock kids. You made a real difference. Another cupped something in one gloved hand. Found this little guy on the ground. Smoke must have got it. Jake saw the tiny green and gold body. A green finch. He remembered the other one straining to dodge the car. Jeez, the things we do to them. When he lifted his head, Amy was watching him. ''There's some ducks dead too,'' the farmer said. ''Might be other things. Don't know. They were lucky to get that wind change.'' Dirty smoke hung in the air. The little creek was fouled with oil and trampled into a shapeless bog. Most of the far side was a scorched wasteland jake looked again at the dead bird in the fireman's hand were they lucky to get us mrs hay pulled kings of coke from her car from the school tuck shop she told the blackened faces around her never say your principal doesn't look after you you're a champ dotty and to jake's delight ken duncan kissed mrs hay on the cheek leaving a large oily smear The drink tasted brilliant. Jake grinned again at Darren over the top of his can. Up on the road, an advocate journalist took notes as his mum talked. Jake looked around for, Where's Amy? Claire seemed to guess his thoughts. Simon was staring at the far side of the water. Jake saw the stocky figure struggling through half-burned reeds near the edge. A fireman called something. Amy ignored him and kept going. They watched her push into another patch of reeds. She stood motionless, then she knelt. Jake knew straight away what she'd found. He left his drink and started down the slope. The smell of burning filled his nostrils as he picked his way across where the flames had rushed. Another dead frog floated in some oil "'by a scorched stand of Raupo. "'The scrubby grass under his feet was black and brittle, "'but at the base of some clumps, green still glinted. "'The wetlands were wounded, but they would survive. "'A couple of firemen damping down hot spots "'looked at him as he passed, but didn't speak. "'Jake stumbled over a half-submerged log, "'pushed aside drooping flax leaves.' then stopped. He stood for maybe 15 seconds, trying to think what to say. In the end, he said nothing. He walked forward to where Amy knelt crying, holding the dead biton in, in her arms. Rain fell the next day. The burned and trampled wetlands looked deader than ever, But as ash washed from leaves and branches, Jake could see the living growth beneath. A Duncan Enterprises truck was parked by the fence. Orange Hat Max and two others with backpacks waded along the creek edge, spraying detergent on the poisonous rainbows of oil that remained. Max lifted a hand to Jake and his dad standing at the roadside. He called the words, that Jake seemed to have heard from so many people. Quite a place, eh? Never really looked at it before. A small mound of earth on the far side, marked where Jake and Amy and Mr White had buried the boat in 24 hours ago. Do you want to put a flower or something on top? Jake had asked when the bird lay in its hollow by the ralpah. Amy rubbed fists across her cheeks, leaving them filthier than ever. Don't be a dork all your life. Instantly, Jack felt better. Amy's manners were getting back to normal. So were the newspapers. At first, the Calcott Advocate was full of the wetlands fire. There were photos of Simon grinning, Claire shy, Darren wiping his glasses, Jake and Matt holding surfboards. Amy looking as if she was going to punch the photographer. But after a couple of days they faded from the news. There was a special assembly on Wednesday where Mrs Hay called the Greens a credit to the school. Jake remembered some of the things. She'd called them earlier. Then the choir sang with Peter in the front row looking. Worsome, Jake decided. He glanced around nervously in case he'd said it out loud. A notice for anyone interested in forming a school magazine committee, Mrs Hay announced before assembly ended. Please met Peter Gillum here at lunchtime. Jake and Matt exchanged looks. Hope the choir aren't expecting Peter to be around for long, Jake thought. At the Greens' own lunchtime meeting, there was a new member. Matt. He's on our side now, Jake realised. But sides didn't seem to matter any more. Two other figures arrived. One was a neatly dressed Ken Duncan. The other was Mr White. Mr White in trendy black trousers, a handsome blue shirt, glossy new shoes. Jaws dropped around room six. Even Simon was lost for words. Our board want to meet you folks, Ken Duncan said. I think they realise how near Calcott came to losing something special on Monday. The stadium's going ahead, but the wetlands mustn't suffer. Amy grunted. About time, Darren said. I've been reading the Resource Management Act, and there's lots more stuff in the handbook. Roundworms and flatworms and mudworms and... Get a wriggle on, Simon interrupted. Ken Duncan grinned and continued. "'I've also got an apology from those two young fools who started the trouble. "'They say they didn't mean it. They panicked. "'The police think they'll get community service, "'so I suggested it might be a good idea if they had to clean up the wetlands.' "'There were pleased murmurs, but Matt shook his head. "'You mean they'll be bossed around by Amy? "'They'd be better off in jail.' The advocate hadn't quite finished with the wetlands. His mother's excited voice brought Jake to the table on Thursday morning. Again, his father's name stood out from the paper. Parker McLean Limited wished to announce they are setting up a Wetlands Restoration Trust Fund. Any donations will be gratefully received. Contact Ross Bremner. Phone people at work wanted to help, said Jake's father, this seemed like a good idea. His mum gave him a big grin. Truckloads of steel and timber were arriving at the sports stadium site as Jake biked back from the wetlands after school. It's certainly coming along, he thought. So were the wetlands. Already. After Tuesday's rain, more patches of green dotted the blackened area. Jake saw ducks paddling and poking among the reeds, Claire and Simon were due to pick up the all-sodden drake, and three others found nearby, from the SPCA on Saturday, to release them. Life was returning. Maybe a bite would too. Sometime. Do you like it? Jake's mum asked on Friday afternoon. Jake circled the studio bench. On one side, the sculpture was a jumble of blackened bushes, Slumped birds, dying fish, all shaped in bits of metal and rubber from Auntie Clarice's yard. On the other side, green shoots sprang from the scorched ground. A dragonfly spread glittering wings. A bird lifted its head. Tears pricked Jake's eyes. He looked at his mother and nodded silently. The phone rang. Bet that's about the wetlands, Mrs Bremner said. There's been so many calls today. Sure enough, a well-spoken woman's voice sounded in Jake's ear. I'd like to make a donation to the Wetlands Fund. Do I have the right number? Yeah, said Jake. It's my dad, actually. Ah, you must be Jake. I think we've met. In a way. "Well," oh? Jake felt puzzled. My name is Ruth Rivers. I write a column for the Calcott Advocate, You... Jake heard himself stammer. I thought you didn't... I didn't approve of your actions? Ruth Rivers chuckled. It'd be a poor world if we couldn't change our opinions, wouldn't it? Well, I'll send my donation to this address. Good luck, Jake, and the same to your friend Amy. Jake put the receiver down. You'd never, ever understand, adults. Saturday morning glowed and glittered as Jake biked towards Back Beach. Another familiar bike was parked by the stile. Jake climbed over. "'What do you want?' snapped the figure, sitting by the unscorched side of a flax bush. Jake grinned. Things were getting back to normal all right. He and Amy sat in silence. Ducks honked somewhere along the bank, and a pair of geese lifted into the sky. There were occasional plopping noises from the water nearby. Suddenly, two green finches dipped and dashed across the blackened ground in front of them. Amy sighed. They're coming back. Jake stood. Gotta go surfing. Matt's waiting for me. The blue eyes watched him. Stuff off, then. The boots have got a better chance without you scaring them. As Jake turned away, Amy spoke again, in a different voice. You're coming back? who? A flicker of movement and the fantail skimmed between them. It twisted in mid-air, swooped over Amy's head and darted away behind the flax, squeaking congratulations to itself. Yeah, Jake knew he was smiling. Yeah, I'll be back. And so will the biton. Well, what did you think of that? There were some sad bits, weren't there? Must admit, tears came to my eyes when I read about the Bighton, but it's a happy ending in a way. The wetlands will recover, the Green Group has had a big donation, and the community now knows all about their wonderful wetlands. Best of all, Jake and Amy are going to be buddies. Yay! Happy reading, boys and girls, and don't forget to visit Old Tacky's newest bookstore, Books & Co. Goodbye.